Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi there. If you hear reference in this podcast to things like today and yesterday, to confirm we did record this podcast on Sunday morning, but due to some IT issues that were out of my control and are hopefully now well and truly fixed, not been able to get it out and edited until Tuesday afternoon. So just to save you some confusion there. Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier. Stephen Chicken here, joined by David Hartrick. I bet, bet you weren't expecting that. Hi, Dave. <laughs> Hello. Why weren't they expecting that? I'm always here. It's always here. you, innit? I don't know why I introduce follow- you. It's always us. I'm just always here following you around like a little shadow, <laughs> just hoping to bask in your reflected glory. Let's be honest, it's the other way around, if anything, isn't it? Uh, right, we've got a game to talk about, but we won't dwell on it for a couple of reasons. One, it was a week ago. Two, it was nil-nil. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a good nil-nil, though, wasn't it? It was a good, it was a good I point to I quite enjoyed it, yeah. I yeah. think, I think uh, the, the thing to address here, more than anything else, is that there seem to be a lot of people online who seem to think town should have gone for that game but they would have got absolutely murdered i i think those people to be fair in the minority i think most people you could see from the response at full time i think a lot of people in the ground were were quite happy with a, a point against swansea and rightly so and you know I think when you look at the personnel they've got available, I don't think we, we want to see Town playing five four one every week no. for the rest of the season because they'll go down if they do because they they don't have goals as it is. But you know, with the personnel they've got and playing against Swansea, who we know dominate the ball, um, love to dominate possession. As you say, they would have lost two two or three nil if they tried to go for that. I think it was the the right call. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. It wasn't even five four one at times. It was like five five, wasn't it? Really, because yeah. like Swansea are so good at moving the ball around, and they're all so comfortable in possession that the plan was to just try and contain and be compact, and then try and nick something on the break. And it nearly came off at the very end, mm. lest we forget. But I, I just think if they'd have gone into this break having lost that game, it feels a hell of a lot different than going in having taken four points from the last two. So I think it was completely the right way to go about it like you said I wouldn't go into every game like that far from it but I think on that occasion with it being a home game it was important just to get something anything from and that game they actually had the best chances of the game as well mm. you know that the, the xg they were almost double swansea's um mm. obviously danny ward had that one cleared off the line and um and brahima diara went through late on and we'll talk a lot more about brahima diara later i suspect dave mm. um but um you know a more experienced player probably makes something more out of that move as well and you know i, I think we can sort of reflect now and we we've done it a bit over the last couple of podcasts but I think we can reflect now on sort of the trajectory of, of Huddersfield Town season um, and I think 
you and I are kind of of a similar mindset, which is when when Mark Fotheringham first came in, and I said this, I think, two or three episodes ago, you and I were sort of, well, let's wait and see. And I think for the first few games, we were quite on the fence um, because we appreciated that he came into a quite difficult situation, no pre-season to speak of, um, team very low in bad form, and his first two games, um, you know, the the defensive issues came to bear again, uh, although they still got... decent point away to Luton to be fair um, then they lose you know they beat Hull his first win then they lose to Rotherham and Preston and Mark Fotheringham keeps saying he doesn't think that Preston performance was as bad as everyone makes out mm. sort of beg to differ on that yeah. to be honest um, but I think from Middlesbrough onwards they've been a lot more solid um, a lot more solid defensively apart from against QPR the numbers are a vast improvement on what we'd seen previously Um and that is a a big positive. Uh, and they're picking up points. They're picking up the required number of points to get them to 50. They're not scoring any goals, though, uh, which is the big concern at this point, I think. Yeah, it is. And the, the attacking return is not there at the minute. But I think the problem they have is I don't think the attacking return is going to be solved by anything other than a change of personnel. Um, mm-hmm. And I, that doesn't mean going out and buying a raft of players. It means getting some of the players they've got back. Um, you know, you forget Jones, Tino and and make such a huge difference options wise um, and they also free as I said on a pod a couple of weeks ago they also free Sorber up a bit more in open play as well because if you've got Dwayne Holmes one side and Sorber the other you can afford to double up on Sorber so yeah we we said after the break we're going to be um, a little bit more uh, forensic about that attack in return once they have the players back if it's still not where it needs to be but yeah, I, I think you can't write off that defensive solidity, really. And the you've got to remember where Town were at the start of this season and the goals they were conceding and the mistakes they were making and etc. To be where we are, what? how many weeks is it into Mark Fotheringham's time? Is it eight weeks? He's, he's, he's had less than that, yeah. He's had basically six weeks worth of, of games, so six, to, seven weeks of games. So to turn that round to the point where you can go to QPR and defend like that, uh, and you can defend like against a team like Swansea and really restrict them to sort of half chances, which is what it really came down to, other than, you know, a couple that Lee Nichols looked like Lee Nichols again to deal yeah. with. Um, so excellent. excellent again. Excellent performance. So I know this is like, you, you can look at it glass half full or glass half empty, but I think you have to look at the progress that's been made at that end of the pitch. Now let's see, you know, now we feel like they're back to back to where they should be and certainly where they were last season in terms of that end of the pitch now let's see what happens at the other end yeah I, I think it's interesting I spoke to um, Peter Jackson with a long piece out on the website as of Sunday morning uh, which I wanted to speak to Jacko because when I look at the numbers I've got a big spreadsheet of all the previous season's results not just town but like I've got like a championship results spreadsheet that tells Nerd. me after yeah, that tells me after this many games, how many points did everyone have, etc., etc., and where did they then finish? Um, which I sort of refer to throughout the season, as, as a lot of people probably know. And the the season that has kept coming up basically every step of the way this season is ninety seven, ninety eight. Like the the points return is matching it very, very closely. Four points after eight games, as it was when Jacko came in. Um, Fotheringham comes in after uh, nine games, with one of them being in caretaker charge. They're now on sort of a similar number of, you know, similar sort of story where performances and results weren't really there for his first few games and are now sort of, sort of starting to see a bit more solidity, a bit more results. And there's a lot of similarities there. 
and and Jacko was saying the first thing he did was was fitness and confidence was the mm. big thing, you know, get the players fit and get them confident and sort of get them believing that yeah you're bottom of the table but you're a good side and we'll change this we'll change that um, we'll make you so that you can you know when we get to the 90th minute the other the opposition are flagging you're still running, mm. um, and I think Mark Fotheringham has taken the same approach. He's been other than you know his his sort of his rant after Hull where it was sort of laying down the law he's been sort of relentlessly positive about everything and i and jacko was saying he had to be that because you know and you have to put put a brave face on yourself and and be, just be relentlessly self-confident because you need that to transfer onto the players and the fitness thing as well i mean you've commented town just looks so much fitter now than they did previously yeah all the injuries they've had as well none of them have been muscle related you know it's yeah. not it's not like they've been blowing up and training the players that have been fit and not had impact injuries, etc. Um, yeah, the one, the one muscle one was Pat Jones, who was on international duty at the time. Yeah. So, um, so I, and they do. You can see it. You know, you can't like the team that started this season was undercooked, and they would not have been able to defend like that against QPR. They would have folded. I'm telling you, they would have folded. Ten minutes to go, they'd have conceded one, and they'd have probably conceded another. And it's it's impressive. You know, like I say, I'm not asking people to believe that Mark Fotheringham is the second coming or even that he's really good yet because we still don't know but all I'm saying on the evidence we've got the two things we know he can do is get a team super fit in quite a short space of time and two really organise a defence regardless <laughs> regardless of personnel really which is is impressive we've yet to see what he can do further up the pitch but yeah you know like I said without keeping referring to it he, he has had his hands tied on that for we can't it's very difficult to sort of sit here and say well you know we should be seeing more or we should be seeing this because we just don't know at the minute do we yeah I think probably the two players that you would say we probably should have seen more out of in attack are Jack Rodoni and Dwayne Holmes mm. um it, and then obviously the strikers are, are really out of form um so I, I think there's I think I'm quite sympathetic to Mark Fotheringham there because, like, what are you meant to do when your strikers are getting in good positions? Yeah. They're creating chances for him, and they're just missing. You can't just say, "Well, shoot better, lads." Like, <laughs> it's not like it's not like they're not doing shooting drills. Mm. Um, so, from a head coach's perspective, you can't really do anything there. I mean, we're we're gonna full disclosure. We're gonna do a separate transfer podcast I think because I think Mm -hmm. it's if we start doing transfers here we're just going to end up getting sidetracked and I think it deserves its own thing plus we've got a whole World Cup to fill so you know (laughs) spread it out a bit but I think striker and I think we alluded to it last time they really need to look at in the January transfer window and you and I (laughs) have spent the last three years going no, they're all right. They're all right. They don't need a striker. I think yeah. you and I are firmly on the yeah. you know, what they actually do need to centre forward this January. Also, with the caveat that they have got a striker on the books, we haven't seen a single yes. minute of yet. Um, but it does it does feel like they need to look that way because, like Danny Ward has been playing through an injury, which we now know. Am I happy I called that? It's not for me to say, Steve. Um, but he is a striker who needs to feel like hundred percent to to be yeah. at his absolute best. And the thing is. Is, he, I wouldn't say he's unreliable or anything like that, but he's just when he's out of form. He's never the thing about Ward is I feel like 
he's either really, really good for 10 games or he's just stuttering for 10 games. There never seems to be an in-between. And often we've pointed out like how hard he's working and what he's doing in the press and how difficult he's making life for defenders. He, he's been struggling to do that the last few games because he's clearly mm. been carrying that injury and it's it's very tough to fly into everything when you it just takes something from his game. And Jordan Rhodes, I, I said to you... I'll say it on here. I can't remember if I said it on the last pod, but I th- I thought he looked his age against Swansea, and that's not a criticism. Some people will take that as a criticism. He's been he was the one who came back this season and actually did look super fit. He just looked his age when he was up against a very mobile, very quick and agile defence. Yeah, that that Swansea's defence are all in their early twenties. Yeah, they? and he was always going to struggle in that situation there are still game states and opposition where you think Jordan Rhodes could work very well and ways you could set Huddersfield Town up when they've got all options available well I think if, work, if, but, yeah. if Swansea if Swansea were a more of a back foot team with a early 20s centre back mm. lot you would you would actually expect Rhodes to do well there because he's clever you, yeah. we know that his movement can be very smart and but like and he can outsmart him but when the chances are limited and his job well, is he, mostly they play yeah. a re- they play a really high line because they play possession yeah, exactly. so the problem is most of the time when Rhodes wins the ball or he's got a chance on the ball to do something he's 45 yards from goal yeah. that's what playing a high line does and he's not going to win a foot race against a no. like, 10 years younger because he wouldn't have done that when he was 10 years no. younger so it's <laughs> it's not that it's not that we're sort of going oh you know Jordan Rhodes is finished or anything like that it's just that I he, you know he's not the man to start against a, a young defence like that or a high line defence anymore now Tyree Simpson who knows <laughs> who knows I mean you did a bit of scouting on him didn't you Steve I had a look at some of his stuff and he's I mean he looks like he's got massive potential but he's quite raw isn't he yeah very raw um he's he's very direct um I, th- I think it's fair to say you know he plays like a player with his build and if you if you want to have a laugh go and look at the the profile page on the hafc.com and have a look at the first team profiles and you've got Danny Ward and Jordan Rhodes standing there looking like you know athletes normal you know normal size athletes and then you've got Tari Simpson who looks about as wide as the two of them put together and, and uh, I think it shows that he turned down a career in in rugby union to go into into football um, and he sort of plays like that he's I mean your scouting Dave well I'm not going to take the words out of your mouth what what was your scouting revealing a lot of my scouting was very similar to that but the one thing the one thing I notice is that he's he needs to work on his finishing he he, he tends to take he tends to take the ones you think he's going to miss <laughs> and miss the ones you think he should he should definitely score and the problem is like uh, bless him Danny Ward can be a little bit like that yeah you know Danny Ward can a couple he's missed you think how have you missed that Danny and a couple he's scored you think how on earth have you done that so yeah, I think there's work to be done. So I think the conclusion we're both steadily coming to is they need another option, whether it's loan, buy, yeah. whatever. And but it just it would be a lot to just say, well, we've got Tyree Simpson, so that's our other yeah. option for the whole second half of the season, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. When I've looked at the numbers, I have looked at the finishing stats for Warden Rhodes and, and Ward massively sort of outperformed his usual last year, uh, and is massively underperforming as usual this year. Uh Rhodes has dropped as well but less dramatically but has still noticeably dropped and I think I've said it before but I think they've 
compensated for each other last season when one hit a bad yeah. run the other hit a good run and this year they've just both hit a bad run at the same time and it's really costly but i think you know we know how massive confidence is i think having knowing that there's going to be more chances coming will help them i think i mean you're you, yeah. you've played obviously at a much lower level but you're a center forward dave i'm sure you can speak to that when you know that there's going to be more chances coming you can be a bit more relaxed and a bit more natural in front of goal well this is it like danny ward was such a like a, I, I know we talked about it last season but there were so many players that could have got player of the year last year but for me Danny Ward was right up there because as a striker he was coping with the fact that he wasn't getting that many chances and he was still his, his finishing was was right where it needed to be and you do get a bit frustrated when you think okay well if I I've got I've got one chance to take here I might not get another this game never mind this half so it does it does up the pressure but like I say we keep saying it, it's not an excuse but we they have been robbed of like a couple of the real attacking talents in this team that that like it, they do make such a difference because Pat Jones coming on and running at defenders for the last half an hour of games frightens the life he, out he's the other one we and, need to mention when we're talking about centre forwards because he can play there and has played there and he's a re- he's yeah. he's a very good finisher yeah so that he makes a huge difference and Tino you know we know Tino Andrew a doesn't play 90 minutes usually plays an hour and then comes off but the difference is with Tino is you just like he's, he's very difficult for an opposition to set up against because you just don't know what you're going to get from him and he drifts into spaces that other players don't necessarily drift to on on that team and he just he creates a bit of chaos and at the moment they haven't got chaos that's the thing they haven't got any chaos up front it's very difficult for them to to really ask different questions of defenders and that's why it's it's all quite sluggish and a bit difficult so but yeah it'll be it'll be interesting now I think having me and you having praised Mark Fotheringham for for what he's done at this point in terms of fitness and defensive quality, it will be interesting over January and February to see can he do it further up the pitch too? Because they are two very, very different jobs, aren't they? Yeah, and I, I think... I think to some extent you can do a lot with coaching and do a lot on the training pitch in defence, but I think you can do less in attack. You can still do things. Mm. There's still a lot you can do, but it tends to be slower. And town need, and and you probably, I mean, they've got a mini preseason now, to be fair to them, so you'd hope they'd be able to do something in that. But if you want an instant impact, and I think town do need that, obviously, when you look at the fact that, what is it, three goals in the last seven games, something like that, they do need a bit of an instant impact. I don't know whether they're going to be able to to get it. I think that the the players coming back from injury could be massive, particularly Tino. Um, but I think they need signings as well, and and I think mm. it might be a case of. I wouldn't be hugely surprised. I would expect to see more on the ball after the break, but I wouldn't be hugely surprised, particularly given that they've got some very difficult games coming up. Um, Sheffield United, Watford and Preston, isn't it, who are all top half sides. If they were a bit, still a bit defensive the first three or four games back after the break, and then they're into January. Uh, Rotherham is the other game before January. Um, and, and then Luton on New Year's Day. So I wouldn't be that surprised if they were still had the handbrake on slightly in those games and then once they get those signings in that's when they start going for it but who knows you know might might be that they go out to to Marbella now and and they come back and they're playing Manchester City 2-3-5 for all we know because as Mark Fotheringham has said after Swansea we've not really seen his playing style we've seen the style that he's had to play because 
his hands have been tied with personnel. Yeah, and as he said, he ran through in the press conference with us, you know, Jonathan Hogg, not a minute, Diary Simpson, not a minute, you know, various Mm. others that he's just not had any chance to work with. So, yeah, it'll be interesting because they've started to build a little bit of momentum. I think, weirdly for town, we talk about this mini pre-season and this break and how good it'll be to try and get some players back or just having those players out for a few weeks when there's no games you know helps enormously too but it's not that long mm. <laughs> we should say it's not like they've got you know two months and no. or anything the, like and that and the fir- the first week is rest and recuperation with with a bit of yeah. bit of running with the gps on but it's yeah it's going to be sort of a week yeah. of rest first. i mean they the players have all had this last week off mm. you know they've they've and that's absolutely the right thing yeah. to do because you can't just keep them running in the red yeah. zone they've throughout. had 11 games in 6 weeks so fair enough yeah and then, like you say, it's it's sort of light duty is building up. So it's not, you know, there's not loads of time. They're coming back into a very tricky run, and you can't. You can look at it two ways. You can as many good points you can make. I think about having this little mini break. You can also say, but yeah, they they were kind of building something. They were kind of getting a little bit of momentum. Um, so it's it'd be interesting to see how they keep coming back. I think my mind is just warped with how they returned after COVID, having looked really good going into it barring that Leeds game which we've already talked about but then they came back and they just looked a shadow of themselves you're really hoping they come back from this silk break and they they look different Mm. you know they look a lot more positive who knows I mean when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mark Fotheringham has sort of hazarded as well and he set out his stall early and this is the other reason I think you might see them play with the handbrake on a little bit um, until they get into January is he has said you know bear in mind that Tino has been out for will have been out for two months over two months by the time um, Mm -hmm. he gets back he's going to need time Uh, Pat Jones the same Hoggy the same so even the players that you're expecting to get back after the break the ones that have been out for like not just weeks but but months by the time we get the other side of the World Cup break um, and not going to come in and be 10 out of 10 at their best straight away they're probably going to need a bit of time um to settle back into the side so yeah who, who knows but i i think hopefully it's still a positive um that, that they're getting those players back i mean i've sketched out a best 11 and i did one best 11 that was in a 4-3-3 and then was about to hit publish and then i thought is there another way of doing this? And I come up with a a three five two or a a three four. Uh, sorry, a, well, you could you could call it a number of different shapes. Basically, I think a three five two, which I think allows you to get in all the players that I actually wanted to get in. Because <laughs> the one I did originally, I was leaving out Etienne Camara, which I didn't particularly want to do. Uh, I was leaving out Ben Jackson, which I didn't particularly want to do. And I think there is a way that you can get everyone in, which is a three five two. Helic Hog. Lees as your back three, uh, Sorber and, and Ben Jackson as your wing backs, Kasumu, Kamara and Rodoni in midfield and then you've got Andrew and, and Ward for now up top um, or Rhodes again sort of kind, kind of a coin toss between those two. I think Andrin is an interesting one because he 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 is not 
going to be doing, I think, quite the defensive job that, that Mark Fotheringham has been asking his players to do so far. But I also feel like he is good, good enough, obviously, um, on the ball that you just go, well, don't worry about it, Tino. It's, we're still a better side for having you mm. in here. But it's where do you then play him that you're not going to lose too much? And I do wonder if playing him either out wide or, or up top might be the way to go rather than sticking him into midfield. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'd, I'd, yeah, I, I've had a go at trying to sort of think what would be their best. And I, whatever formation it is, I just want someone close to the striker because I think, like, however I look at it with the current personnel, you need to get somebody closer to whoever is up top, not just to play off them, but just to be a presence through the middle because otherwise it's great having these wide options, but you need people centrally. Otherwise, it's very easy to defend against. So I quite like the four-two-three-one. Yeah. one um, I quite like that as an option with the personnel they've got available but I think if they if they did change their personnel in January I think you can make a case for lots of other formations I, I like I may as well say it I, I just think they need like um, they sort of need the player Jack Rodoni is hopefully going to be in a year's mm-hmm. time <laughs> like now they need a sort of really good attacking passing eight I think and the thing about about Rodoni is that I really like him I like his bravery I like his willingness to to get on the ball but also I would say he's going to be far better next season and possibly the season after than he is this season there's a lot of feeling his way through games a lot of adjusting yeah. to the championship a lot of adjusting to the demands going on at the moment which is fine and it's all part of the process and he's learning very quickly I think he's that's yeah, he one is. of the most impressive things about Rodoni is he learns so quickly yeah but I think they really could do with like a tried and trusted midfield yeah. option that is a, a proper forward pass a proper progressive midfielder Um, but it's a big ask because like we're not talking about transfers but if we're already saying they should be looking at a striker and they should be looking at a a progressive eight they're they're not cheap options they're not you know they're they're difficult roles to fill Um, they're not (laughs) that's your sort of roller coasters and fireworks roles and they always cost you money you know them and wingers that's it's just not as easy as it is to go and get, with all due respect to them, you know, defensive midfielders and defenders, etc. So it may have to be one or the other, and we'll we'll see how we go. I, I think they've acknowledged that there's probably going to have to be outgoings as well, uh, and I think understandable when you're looking at a centre forward because, as you say, they're they're the most expensive players on the pitch, and the position they're in, they can't. I think. Another Tyree Simpson is not what they need. You know, that they need um, someone a bit more proven who maybe isn't going to, you know, I don't think they can, I don't think they have the budget to go and sign a 20 goal a season striker, but even a a 10 goal a season striker at the moment would be an improvement on what they've Mm. got. You know, if they can get someone who scores five or six in the second half of the season, that might be enough. It's somebody who comes up against a championship defence and goes, all right, this is fine. Yeah. That's the thing. It's, it's, they need that little bit of, that little bit of experience that little bit of experience but we'll see we'll see who knows what they've lined up you know they they we did like their transfer business this summer steve you know a lot of it yeah 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 um there were one or two that we raised our eyebrows at but we did like it so there's still things to build on but like you say i think there could be a couple of outgoings as well we'll see yeah um 
another player we should talk about in terms of bringing about an attack and improvement. You and I went to the B team game on on Friday, mm. um, along with two hundred and ninety seven others. There was only one player that we came away talking about. Loic Aina got the goal, obviously we should mention, and I think uh, Nicholas Bilokovic as well in goal had a really good game, kept everything out because it was a mm. it was a very fun, silly game. It's worth saying it could mm, e- it, it could easily have been sort of seven four <laughs> that game. Yeah. Like, it's kicking. It's gargantuan. I mean, the amount of times... Like, this isn't a plus point. I'm not trying to make it as a plus point. But the amount of times he picked out the opposition goalkeeper with his kicks (laughs) just because it is absolutely gargantuan really shocked me. But yeah, he he played very, very very low arc as well. It's like Jordan Pickford, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's very low, long kicks. Um, But Get him on pens. Get him on pens. (laughs) He looks like... Quick word for him. Actually, he looks like a keeper, doesn't he? Like he's so composed. Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've just been writing. I mean, this is like this really is one for the hipsters. I've just been writing about a a Dutch keeper called Martin van der Hort, who is um, he's twenty years old. He's playing for Genk in Belgium, but he's already been signed by Red Bull uh, Leipzig. Oh, sorry, we're not allowed to call them fizzy drink enthusiasts in Leipzig (laughs) um, for twenty twenty four, and he's playing regularly. And he he reminds me a lot, funnily enough, of below (laughs) below. because uh, he's just got the same sort of stature they've got they, they're sort of six foot two six foot four whatever it is but they carry themselves like they're seven foot five they they get down really well their distribution is really good yeah you just he, he does just look like a goalkeeper and I I think it's worth saying that the game like West they were playing West Brom and West Brom's youth side won that competition the year before and they're really good really really good they've got a couple of um, couple of really good prospects in that team who I think it were fairly clear are going to have a future in the game, um, particularly attacking-wise. So there was a bit of a pattern to the game, which was sort of town defending really, really well and trying to restrict their chances and then catching them on the break, um, which is pretty much what the first team have been doing the last couple of games. And like you say, it was just a very silly game. It was it was good fun in the end. But the, the man at the middle of everything for town, like it, first sort of 20 minutes, it was all West Brom, they're creating all the chances and then gradually the time turned. Second half, actually, town dominated it, um, having, having yeah. been counter-attacking first half but but Brahima Diara <laughs> just at the yeah. middle of everything um you know he was absolutely taking the mick out of the West Brom midfielders like every time he got the ball he'd be he'd just take it past someone and in a way that made everyone go oh <laughs> and sort of get a yeah. bit giddy and then being Brahima Diara he would then get to the edge of the box and put a shot over the bar oh that that chance at the end he had a chance at the end where he did he'd literally done everything right and he cut inside goal at his mercy keeper on his way down and he he put it high wide and handsome and everyone was like oh (laughs) and you could you can laugh at it in a b-team game like it's just great entertainment yeah if you were playing for three points in the championship in the relegation battle, it would yeah. be so frustrating. But if they can just coach that out of him, and it's not shoot better, it's let someone else have the ball. It's, you know, do do all of that stuff from, like, the, the edge of your own third to the edge of the opposition box. Do all that exactly as you're doing it. And then give it to someone else. Give it to Sorber. Give it to Tino. Give it yeah. to Wardy. But he'll be if he can also, do that, he'll be quite a player. Yeah, but also you've got to be a little bit careful that you don't want to coach that bravery out of him either. That's yeah. that's the thing. It's he's he's a very exciting player who every so often in a game gets really really bored, so decides to take on four players 
and is is largely successful in that endeavour. And that's why he sort of he gets you off your seat. I think it? the simple instruction for him would just be like, unless you're at or past the penalty spot, or you're one on one with a keeper, don't shoot. Yeah. <laughs> if he can just get that in his head, and it's you know players have certain habits, and it's harder than that to break players out of habits sometimes. <coughs> cough, cough, Janino Bakuna. But um, but that's a bit harsh telling him to cough. <laughs> but um, but I, I don't know. I think Diara could could become quite an important player if they can just get that message into him and he's willing to take it on board. Uh, they've got they have to find a way to fit yeah. him in because he does something nobody else in that squad does apart from like, Tino. Yeah, yeah. He, he has got a bit of X factor and he has got a bit of last twenty minutes against couple of defenders mm-hmm. who are just tiring a little bit That's on their his legs. Role for they're going to be yeah. They he he's going to win yellow cards ahoy. You know he, he's he's that sort of player. So I think they've got to find a huge. But there are a couple of other performances worth talking about. I thought Brody Spencer was very good again. You know everyone knows I like him, but I thought he was very solid Playing right again. over back three. Yeah. Yeah, um, Loic Aina himself. It was <laughs> if anybody has seen Loic Aina before, it was the full <laughs> Loic Aina that game. Yeah. You know, yellow card first half for trying to break someone in two. Really good, solid defending. Lots of of heading bricks away, and then he comes up with a run that would have graced the Argentina 1986 World Cup. <laughs> squad to score a goal it was sensational it's like oh you've got a lot to do here look and he just beats his man and then curls it into the far post it's like oh all right (laughs) it was uh it was brilliant Uh, weirdly like town had a load of uh clear-cut chances they hit the post a couple of times there was one first half where they hit one post the keeper made a great save uh this was after an overhead kick has been saved as well there are a couple of like really mad scramble moments um but it, he, it took a central defender to actually show the composure to realise he was in front of goal and actually pass it into the back of the net. It was a it was a great goal, great goal to be fair. And it's there's a few of these these um, B team games coming up, and really, if you can get down there, you know, like try and get down because they are a lot of fun, and you do see something a little bit different. Yeah, they're great fun these B team games. Um... It's it's a very di- different atmosphere. It's a lot more laid back. It's a lot more fun. Like I'm sure everyone at the club, like you know, takes them seriously. And you know, obviously, you know, they're, they're trying to develop the players, etc. But um, but yeah, it's it's for the fan. You can just go and have fun and sort of watch without sort of worrying. Because if you lose, then it's the B team. You don't especially care. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so as Dave says, they've got. Uh, games coming up this Friday. Uh, they're playing Middlesbrough. That's a one PM kickoff, um, which I know is weird, but it's because England are playing in the evening. So, um, and then they're playing um, Watford on Friday the ninth of December. So just before the season gets back underway, um, they're playing that Friday evening. So both at the John Smiths, I think it's a, a fiver for adults and two or yeah, three, two or three quid for kickoff. concessions. Um, so yeah. And I took, I mean, I took Bo along with me, my daughter, who who sat next to me, and she had great fun because you know you can hear, like, you can hear everything that's being said on the pitch, which she found highly amusing, and she saw some sort of different players, and she just she just really enjoyed the experience because it's it's a it is a very different experience, isn't it? It is more like I say, it's a bit more fun, a uh, bit more light-hearted somehow. She got a picture with Mark Fotheringham as well. <laughs> she did, she did, and she said when it when. 
when we saw him, I was having a quick chat with him and she came over and I said, oh, do you want your picture? She didn't know who he was. And I was like, you know who Mark Fotheringham was? She said, yeah, but I've never seen him without his tracksuit on. (laughs) (laughs) Which is probably good. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I've also been to Harrogate this weekend, so I've been catching up with the the Loneys. Spoke to Romney Critchlow. The way the fixtures fall, I've not had a chance to go to Bradford because I had to pick. Basically, I had to pick between Bradford or Harrogate, and we've got more at Harrogate, so I went for Harrogate. Um, and you made the right decision. Yes, it, I absolutely did. Like, it, <laughs> it was funny because, like, a lot of the time, and I've just written this in a piece. So sorry for repeat myself, but when you go to a game as a journalist to watch like a specific player, it's a bit of a gamble because there's a chance they're not going to do anything. It's like I once went to Cardiff to watch Silver Thomas sit on the bench for. 90 minutes for Wales which was great fun um and coming into this game when you look when I looked at Harrogate's results it's like oh <laughs> oh this yeah. might not be great fun they're down sort of towards the bottom of the table uh and they're playing Mansfield who were up in the playoff places uh and they won 3-0 and two of the town players got assists so um there's no Josh Rostfield he was suspended um the midfielder Matty Daly played at number 10 basically he was pretty anonymous to be honest someone said that's the quietest game he's had for Harrogate he's been mm. he's been sort of the the only player keeping them afloat recently he scored a lot of important goals but unfortunately did nothing uh in this game and, and went off injured i'm not sure how serious that is or otherwise um but went off injured early in the second half but their left wing was um jaheem headley at left back and danny grant on the left wing and they had a really good partnership going um both grant and headley got assists um and i spoke to danny grant after the game that piece is on the website uh, it was good to catch up with him and it's good to see him playing regular football after sort of the first year that he had at the club um, and you know he's doing well that's his third assist in eight um, I would say I think he he needs at least the rest of the season in League 2 I think Danny Grant he, st- he looked he looked he's not really completed 90 minutes many times and he looked pretty tired by about the hour uh, and he went off with 15 minutes to go and I think understandably because he's as he said after the game it's the first time in about two in about two years that he's actually been playing regular competitive football Um but Jaheim Headley looks really promising. The left back uh, looks like properly good. When I turned up, I was speaking to the local media um, before the game and said, you know, how they've been getting on. And they all said Jaheim's been the best of the four. Uh, and he was excellent in this game. Uh, we've seen him play for the B team, you and I, Dave, haven't we? Uh, yeah. Quite a few times and he, he's looked promising. But but raw, he, he sort of had a bit of a tendency to get into blind alleys going forward and then sort of end up a bit lost and not know what to do with it. But you can see just playing those competitive games he's learned to pick his moments a lot better and and he's choosing his moments really well I think there's a really really promising left back there who has a really legitimate shot of getting into the town first team in the next I mean I wouldn't be hugely surprised if they brought him back in January uh but that's I've not spoken to school about that but the way that he's been playing and the fact that that they've got an injury in that area makes me wonder if they might look to do that but if not mm. if not January then certainly in the next year or two I think he's potentially got a, a uh, a, a genuine future at the club yeah you'd, you'd hope so because he's like we we saw it I can't remember which B team game it was last season but he was he was man of the match by a while and he scored a great goal where he cut inside mm. and just curled it from from 25 yards so yeah you, you would you like not every player makes it at the club do they you know there's a reason the transfer system feeds the lower leagues like it does and you who knows what the future holds but like being able to fill a sort of an expensive position like fullback potentially 
is always worth looking at, isn't it? It's always worth looking at. I think I I saw Danny Grant a few weeks ago and he he looked like Danny Grant. <laughs> and I, I'm not I, I don't mean to I'm not sort of heavily criticizing when I say that, but he looked like Danny Grant in that he looked really tired after about forty minutes. Um he kept showing in flashes what he could do. Um and his pace when he was, was fully fit was was really good but yeah you just feel like he just needs to be a whole lot fitter to actually push into games yeah and Josh Oshfield I, I, I'm still not 100% sure what his best position is because I don't know if he's a six or an eight I've seen him play as in the middle of a back three for the B team mm. as well more than once like I'm still not 100% sure where is where his future lies yeah yeah as I say I didn't I couldn't really comment because I didn't get the chance to see him and uh, Matty Daly is I think what what they've said there is uh, he, he came in, started the season well, then had a dip and then has been back at it again recently, which I think has pretty much been the pattern on, on all of his loans. And I think for him to make it, you'd need to see a bit more consistency out of him because he's, you know, he's, he's I think when he's at his game, he is far too good for League Two. Uh, but I think the issue with him is he just isn't at his game as often as he probably should mm. be. But, you know, that again, that can be something that comes with the experience and time, can't it? So, um, but yeah, I think the thing I liked about Danny Grant actually was his passing more than anything else. He's got, he plays with his head up all the time. Um, and some of the passes he picked, um, little through balls into the box or playing it into the feet of someone who was running towards the edge of the box were, were pretty smart, actually. Um, so yeah I, I think he probably needs a bit more time out but um, yeah interesting to he catch up anyway he needs some luck Danny Grant yeah, doesn't he he needs some luck. That's that's his next step. But uh, yeah, interesting to catch up on them anyway. Uh, right then, Dave. Music recommendation. Hang on, give me a second. On this. Just hang on. I'm going to have to do what you do and bring up my Spotify here. Uh, so my music recommendation is Naz's new album, King's Disease Three, Ooh. which is basically everything you would ever want from a Naz album, and um, is just it, there's nothing particularly exceptional about it. But trust me, I would take one of these a year every year for the rest of my life excellent oh he did an ep a few years ago that i really really liked uh nazir um was it was that a full album anyway i really like that one so i'm definitely going to check that out dave um you and dts have both accused me of being uh, a musical hipster and having really weird obscure taste which i think is slightly true but also slightly unfair but just to lean into that and you know become a parody of myself i thought i'd pick the most obscure and inaccessible album that i actually genuinely like which is 2005's uh rehearsing my choir by the fiery furnaces who are a brother and sister team from chicago one of my favorite bands for a long 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 time maybe going on 20 years now uh, and they did an album where they got their grandmother on uh, to sing about uh, a fictionalised version of her life growing up in Gangland, Chicago. Um, and it's brilliant. Yeah, this sounds this sounds right up my street. <laughs> it's it's really weird, but like oddly enjoyable it's like just a, a really nice narrative that goes all the way through the album so yeah there you go that's mine <laughs> yeah very you very cool you. exploded exploded your own myths there steve <laughs> and next week i'll uh i'll go for you know madonna or something right cheers dave we'll see you next time happy world cup oh everybody, yeah if you do indeed celebrate <laughs>